Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, it 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Alex Marvez joins us. Uh, He's at Alex Marvez, as I said, on Twitter. What is the future of the running back position? And will everything eventually become new again? Or, Alex, have we reached that point? This has been a topic of discussion for probably the last five, six years, the the, the devolution of uh, of the running back position. I know we've also had, look, you've had Ezekiel Elliott. Looks like he's made uh, the Cowboys a, a legitimate factor. You had last year uh, Leonard Fournette come in and make a big difference for the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The expectation is Saquon Barkley with the Giants can be a difference maker. But we know Le'Veon Bell is a difference maker, maybe the best, most threatening uh, running back in terms of his ability to make plays out of the backfield, also in the receiving game. And yet the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't able to get a deal done with him. Is this a harbinger of bigger issues in the NFL, or is Le'Veon Bell an outlier? Kind of take us into this story as best you can. No problem. Hey, by the way, I'm going to have to mention a running back uh, who you mentioned the elite ones. I'm going to mention Bishop Sankey, and not just because you were a Tennessee Titans fan. Yeah, he was the highest drafted pick Yeah, a couple years ago, uh, second-round pick at least, but he was the first back off the board, and he's never done anything. Right, and the reason I say that is for a couple years there, Clay, the running back classes, not too good. And I think that's part of where you have a problem right now. There weren't the Todd Gurley's in the draft, the Zeke Elliott's, the, the true difference makers that came out. And, and I think it, it repressed the running back market. In fact, if I asked you who's the highest paid running back in football right now, if I, you know, the average fan, you know, it would take a minute probably, right? But it's Devontae Freeman. If I asked you who was the yeah. highest paid running back in free agency this offseason, it's Jarek McKinnon. Think about that. I, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, he made like $5 million, right? I mean, like, what was his salary he signed? 
he's in for a little bit more. He averaged seven five a year, but remember, Clay, okay. all funny money, right? And if you get injured, the yes. guarantee, you know, all of the guarantees. So I guess my point is that there just haven't been those types of great players that have come along to raise the salary. Running, there's so many running backs that come out in the draft each year. It is considered a fungible position by a lot of teams. Look, some of them have placed more importance on it than others. Okay, I get all that, but you know, that's a, the question is, what is the player also worth to you, right? I mean, that's, listen, sometimes it's right place, right time. Sometimes it's how they fit in your team fabric. What did they provide? Do they move you closer to a Super Bowl? Le'Veon Bell does just that. Now, here's where it gets tricky. You know, he's been betting on himself, right? And, and you know, at this point, he's earning $14.5 million this year. He's earned, he earned $12.1 million in 2017. And, you know, next year, if he gets a deal that offers him, and, and listen, he may, they may have to spread it out over three years. But, you know, if he's starting to get $32 million guaranteed, $34 million guaranteed, then he bet on himself and won. But the problem is that a running back spot for a player like this with injury history, wear and tear, is there going to be a team out there that's going to pay him that once, you know, once the, he's able to hit the market? And, Clay, that's the big question now. You know, the NFL, they, they're flush with cash. There are teams that have money under the salary cap, and if they think they're one Le'Veon Bell away, they'll probably spend on him. But, you know, again, Le'Veon Bell's having to get through, you know, having to be Le'Veon Bell for another year puts a lot of pressure on him to produce. It does indeed. We're talking with Alex Marvez. Um, of the other guys who had the opportunity to be franchise tagged and were, uh, did not get the deals kind of worked out, what to you stood out? Is there any lesson that we can take away about the ongoing NFL business uh, based on decisions that were made surrounding the franchise tag? Yeah, I think that edge rushers, you know, you know how they've always been, you got to have that guy to go against the elite level left tackle. I think teams are starting to rethink that a little bit and thinking, you know what, and, and, we'd love these. I'm sorry. Is that because the – sorry, no, no, no. I, the, the reason why – so for a long time, if you looked at the way money was being spent, quarterback the position is still going to be spent at a high level. There's no doubt about it. But then you went to uh, people who were involved in the passing game, either the defensive end who was trying to get to the quarterback and stop him from being able to throw the football, and then you needed the left tackle by and large to protect him. That's the whole story of the blindside, Michael Orr, everything else there. And then you also went with corners who were trying to stop these big high-priced uh, quarterbacks by being able to defend the wide receivers they were going to throw to. Is the rap, you know, like get rid of the ball quickly reads that are happening starting to diminish the overall impact of the big time defensive end because quarterbacks just aren't holding the ball long enough? Is that what you're starting to see? Absolutely right about that. Listen and look at the emphasis now on guards, okay? Andrew Norwell, $13.3 million a year as a free agent guard. Zach Martin, six years, $84 million as a guard. Okay, and centers are cashing in pretty nicely as well. So I think that you're starting to see the money redistributed along the offensive line and a defensive end. Well, listen, it's great if you're able to have the type of zip to get around the corner and affect a quarterback. I'm not trying to diminish the importance of that, but if the football's already gone, who cares? And I think that's why that's why you don't see the Dallas Cowboys, for example, bending over backwards to get Demarcus Lawrence signed to a free agent contract. Now, listen, there'll be a team that still plays the type of defense that cherishes the 4-3 defensive end and is going to be willing to pay him that type of price. But a lot of teams are getting away from it. For the Detroit Lions, Ziggy Ansah is a curious one, you know, because really with Matt Patricia now and Bob Quinn there, you know, guys from the Patriots cloth, they've never spent big, uh, at least in recent memory. Adelius Thomas would have to be the last example of that back in the late 2000s. But they don't spend big on edge pass rushers. 
they simply feel like they can generate pass rush with the players they have. So these guys, I think, are one and done with their respective teams. And as for LaMarcus Joyner, tell you what, this guy got lucky because the safety market is terrible as well. And, and you know, that one's a little bit harder to figure out. But, you know, what he's able to get this year, this $11 million as part of the franchise tag, I think might be more than he would have made out on the free agent market. I know the Rams really wanted to keep him. Wade Phillips made a personal pitch to the team's administration, said, listen, this guy is key to my defense. In fact, he's really more key, quite honestly, than Robert Quinn and, and you know, uh, Alec Ogletree, both of whom got traded. So that's why I think there was a place for him. But it's been a weird safety market. He's still got some good players out there, including those who haven't filed a collusion claim. How much talk – I haven't spent any time at all on it on this show because I always find, like, Hall of Fame debates to be, like, just – like, shoot me in the head with a nail gun. <laughs> but I do think uh, T.O. not going to Canton to give his speech is an intriguing story in and of itself. How much talk in NFL circles do you hear about this and what's your take in general on the T.O. Uh, Hall of Fame drama? Well, you know, everyone's trying to figure out what the real story is, you know, and, and talking to folks, you know, about that, like, okay, is T.O. broke – can he not throw the, the type of elaborate party that he would want to at the Pro Football Hall of Fame? You know, teams pitch in to help with costs. They don't pick up the whole thing usually, but they'll, they'll help a player out. Is T.O. a man without an island? You know, did the 49ers just say, no, nah, we're not going to donate money to this? Would the Philadelphia Eagles try to give cash to T.O. after the way he crashed and burned there? Same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think you're going to get Mike Brown or the Bengals to sponsor T.O.? You know, the Buffalo Bills, I mean, he was there for a year. I mean, you know, or two. I mean, what, you know, who's going to pay for Who's going to help pay for this with T.O.? And there's been some thought that maybe it's just he, he's trying to save some face by doing it that way. You know, and, and just as a money issue, he can't celebrate the Hall of Fame the way that he wants, so instead he's going to go uh, to Chattanooga and, and give a, a, call, a speech at his alma mater. And, you know, listen, he can rip the Pro Football Hall of Fame voters. He can say he's not a first ballot guy, whatever. There's so many others who had to wait. I mean, think about Art Monk, right? I mean, you know, look, the guy was the NFL's all-time receiving leader at the time he retired, and yet he had to wait several years to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So, you know, look, T.O., he wanted to make it's all about him. It always has been about him, and it's all about him again because the one thing you'll remember about this 2018 class when it goes in is the guy who wasn't there for the first time, even though that they're going to try to pretend that he's not around on Saturday night. Yeah, T.O. is going to be the guy that hovers over the Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions. How much do you think – a uh, teammate quality, sort of this ineffable are you a good teammate, should factor in when it comes to Hall of Fame voting, in it your should, personal opinion. Oh, it should factor in. I mean, listen, I voted for the guy at the end. You know, uh, you know, I didn't vote for him from 15 to 10. I didn't vote for him to 10 to 5. I thought Isaac Bruce was actually as good, if not better, than T.O. in a lot of ways. T.O.'s had his memorable moments, don't get me wrong, but when you look at the numbers, you look at what Isaac Bruce accomplished in his NFL career, I think a strong argument can be made for Ike Bruce. But when it got to the final five, you know, voted for him. I mean, that's how that is. But listen, part of the debate in the room is about him as a teammate, and it is things that, take, that does take place on the field, you know, and, and I consider the field the sideline as well, berating a quarterback, you know, com, you know, complaining to the point that you want the football, even though it may not lead to team success. T.O. may think it does if you throw him the football 15 times a game that his team's going to win, but at the end of the day, it may not. And you know what, though, he's going to point to his stats and, and his production above, above others. And that's the thing. The guy was, listen, and I think honestly, too, there might be a mental health picture here that has been painted with T.O., that has gone on through the years when you, when you take a big-picture look at this. I mean, I actually feel bad for the guy as much as anything in a lot of ways. Listen, he might go sign with the Edmonton Eskimos or the CFL. What does T.O. have going on in his life beside football? He, he's not in the media. He doesn't have any endorsements. What does he do 
all day. Really, right? I mean, it's just it's a, it's a sad thing for the guy, and you know now he's able to get his moment in the spotlight once again, and you know he's he's going to be able he'll to be all about him at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But it's that type of selfishness that I think poisons some voters against him in that Hall of Fame room. But ultimately, he gets in, and that's the whole point. You get in. Not everyone gets in on the first ballot. Sorry, it's just not how it works. It is interesting. Like I, I don't know T.O. well by any stretch of the imagination, but I know that on the Fox Sports sort of pilot uh, scene, and I, I think he's done some television with Fox Sports, like T.O. was uh, was in the mix, and uh, I did several different pilots that never aired with T.O. as part of panel discussions and whatnot. And, again, I, I don't know what kind of personal interaction you have had with him, but I found him to be like pretty quiet. You know, not particularly outspoken. He didn't seem the the T.O. that I saw doing, you know, sit-ups in the front yard of his house having a press conference uh, was nothing like the T.O. that I found when, you know, you were sitting in a, in a panel discussion discussing the issues of the day. Now, a lot of times there's guys who tighten up when they go from the green room to the, the, the stage to get on and, and start talking, right? I mean, it's yeah. amazing how that, that walk, at least at Fox – it's a you know hundred yard walk down the hallway in L.A., but the the number of people who tighten up incredibly from the pre-show discussion, where you think, oh man, this guy's going to be awesome. Uh, there's going to be so much, uh, so many sparks here. Great discussion, and then by the time you actually get in the studio and the lights come on, it's a totally different person, and everybody kind of gets more nervous when they are aware that other people are watching. And maybe that's a T.O. kind of situation, but. I thought that he was going to turn it on and that he would be a different caliber of, uh, of showman when the lights actually came on, and I thought he was kind of boring. Um, and I don't know – and look, I see him on social media, and he seems fairly active there. I, I don't know. I think that kind of ties in with you, with your point on T.O. that he's a guy who doesn't really know himself. Uh, and I feel like there's a lot of athletes who are in that boat because – we forget. I mean, a lot of these guys have their careers over at 33 or 34 years old. And whoever you are out there listening to us right now, uh, a lot of people who are 33 and 34 years old, they, they don't know what they want to be when they grow up. And, and that's maybe even older than a lot of these guys are. The average NFL career is four years. you got guys finishing their careers at 26 years old, and they have no idea how to define themselves without football. I wonder a little bit about that with T.O. and whether he needs this drama to have a, you know, kind of something just to latch on to more than anything else. You're right. Listen, and, and T.O., well, first off, when, when you talk about Fox and TV back with those pilots, they weren't exactly coaching people behind the scenes, if you know what I mean. It was absolute <laughs> chaos for that network. I mean, and I'm not afraid to, to, to talk about it because I just think it was a complete disaster. Were you, were you out for the FS1 uh, the auditions, like when they had, you know, just a cattle call and everybody was coming through and kind of rotating through and doing all the discussions? They threw me on TV as a tryout and no coaching. You know what I mean? And I was, I was bad. I admit it. They changed the script on me. They didn't tell me that they were going to be doing that. I'm trying to, to follow one thing, and I'm saying another, and, I, and I'm caught off guard. I mean, they, they gave you nothing at, at Fox. Well, they didn't I, I tell think you how it, to dress. They didn't tell you these <laughs> are the talking points. They didn't tell you how to put your hands in front of yourself at the desk if you're a smaller person to make yourself look bigger. I mean, all of these little tricks of the trade, they did absolutely zero. I mean, I, I liken it to the early days of SCTV. I was looking for Guy Caballero in a wheelchair, uh, you know, just for respect. It's funny um, that you mentioned, you know, the television angle. I hadn't spent much time doing television. And uh, I've told this story, I think, before, but you'll appreciate it. Uh, Fox is very much a throw you in the deep end of the pool and see if you can swim. And, you know, if you can swim, then uh, then they love you. And, and I think I was able to swim. But 
I had never, I've never done a highlight in my life. Okay, this is 2013 when they launched FS1. Uh, Rob Stone obviously did a great job on the World Cup. It was over in Europe for a month. He's kind of the jack of all trades. He's amazingly talented at television. And, uh, and they brought me in, and they said, okay, Clay, you know, we're going to do highlights, uh, and uh, we're going to toss to you for some of this. I was so green. I didn't even know, and, this, and there's probably a lot of people listening to us that don't know this, I didn't even know that when you sat at a television desk, you have a monitor built into that television desk so you can look down to see the highlights. That's how green I was. I had never even sat at that desk. It's like the same NFL desk that Terry and Howie and uh, and Jimmy and all those guys sit at. And like I was like I, I was sitting there and I had paper. They had, you know, somebody had left some papers in front of them, and I just moved those papers over. And I was like, oh wow, there's a television monitor here. I had never done a highlight in my life, and live on FS1 in 2013, they had me do highlights. So, I mean, you think about how how wild that is. I mean, and I kind of I, I loved it, you know, because I like challenges. And, and, and one of the things that's cool about doing radio versus doing TV versus doing uh, writing is they're all different disciplines. And you've done all three of them. And you have to kind of figure out how something can work really well on radio and not work at all on TV. And something can work when you're writing a column and not work at all on radio or TV. Because I, I can tell you the number of writers I've had on radio where, like, Halfway through the interview, you're like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? Like, I don't even know how to keep them going. Uh, and you're good at writing and you're good at radio, but every one of those disciplines is different. You can be good at two or three or you can be good at all three, but it's relatively rare that people can pull off all three. It's hard. I mean, it really is, especially when, when you don't have any training. And I was a religion major in college, so, I mean, my background is not journalism. I, just, I wrote ever since high school. You know, that's yep. what I did. So, you know, that's, that's how that was. But, you know, and when, when you talk about, uh, you know, you talk about T.O., just to flip it back to him here for a minute, the scary part is that he actually had TV experience from when he was in the NFL. He and Chad Ochocinco were doing a show together. And you oh, that's about, right. And, yeah, and remember, too, Chad's another guy uh, that hasn't grown up either. And, and part of it is it just, for whatever reason, like, look, you look at Charles Barkley, you look at Shaq, right? And, and you know, they, look, they're, they're, there's ego there. They're, there's narcissism in their own way. And they, but they say funny, outrageous stuff. They have likable personalities, right? I mean, just that persona. You know, you, you end up wanting to hear what they have to say. With T.O., he's, he's like almost so unlikable, that, and he hasn't been able to transcend that with any sort of personality that appeals to anybody. I mean, I was thinking yesterday, and it's funny, I was driving my son to his therapy, and I was like, you know what? Think about all these, these sponsorship opportunities that T.O. has blown. He could have, you could have had T.O. popcorn. You could have had T.O. Sharpies. You know, the guy takes incredible care of himself. How about a T.O. diet? How about a T.O. workout? I mean, all of these things, why isn't anyone working with this guy? I mean, I don't even know if he's interesting enough for a reality show, and I think they did something like that at some point, and the wheels fell off. I mean, it's so, I just, again, I really feel for this guy because there's just nothing there right now in his life that's filling the void that was left behind by, from when he played football. It's sad. It's really well said, um, and we'll see what happens with T.O. As, uh, as the Hall of Fame gets closer and closer. All right, LaShawn McCoy. We talked about this. It's kind of lingering out there. I'm down in Atlanta. This was an Atlanta area story. I don't believe we've gotten an update this week or the last several days. What is the vibe that you're hearing in the NFL? What's the expectation? We're now, what, like eight days away, I believe, from the Buffalo Bills beginning training camp. What are you hearing? Well, I'm hearing, you know, listen, the commissioner's exemplist may come into play here if we don't hear anything more from the police, you know, within the next eight, nine days. And the commissioner's exemplist, I love the wording of this. They say that basically the commissioner can suspend you at any time you want under, quote, unusual circumstances. 
okay? And, and this was left vague for a reason, uh, you know, because they want to be able to, to say, okay, look, if you're under a police investigation, we're not sure what to do with you yet. Well, we don't exactly want you out there on the field and being associated with the NFL until you're cleared. Now, if the Buffalo Bills can't make that decision, it's a commissioner that makes that decision. But what does this Buffalo Bills organization stand for, by the way? Kim Pagula is your president. It is a woman, and I'm just pointing that out. Uh, you have a player here who's been accused by someone, uh, you know, uh, and publicly, and some questions about whether or not he ordered an assault on a girlfriend to get back jewelry. And you've heard radio silence from this Bills organization. When did when did the teams start stepping up as well a little bit here when it comes to you know rebuking a player publicly and saying how serious they take it? This is the same Bills organization, by the way, that enabled Richie Incognito for a number of years. So I mean, listen, and, and Marcel Darius, although he was traded away to Jacksonville, he also has had two civil suits filed against him by women claiming that he gave him an STD. I mean, th- this this whole thing with the Bills, and it's part of the reason the Bills have been so terrible for so long, is bringing in character people like this. So we sit and wait and see what happens with Shady. I mean, look, the team, I think, has a pretty good idea where it's going. Usually, Clay, behind the scenes, if you have a, a, a you know security department that's worth its salt, they have contacts in law enforcement. The NFL has contacts in law enforcement. Everywhere around, the, every city around the that there's an NFL team, not to mention hubs like, you know, for example, Las Vegas before the Raiders get there. You know, I think Hawaii has this. The NFL has a security person every city, major city, to try to look out for its players to see if there's trouble brewing, et cetera, to try to cut things off at the pass. I think the Bills have a pretty good idea about where this is going. I don't think, you know, I think they feel that maybe this guy's going to be in the clear. But until it officially happens, we sit here and wait on Shady McCoy. But, man, what a bad look for him, bad look for the Bills organization, and, again, another bad look for the NFL. We're talking to Alex Marvez. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Alex Marvez. Easy to follow that uh, that name. I, I'm curious uh, as we come closer and closer to the start of training camp, the lot of the uh, the quarterbacks, right? Whether it's Sam Darnold with the Jets, whether it's Josh Allen with the Bills, Baker Mayfield with the Browns, Josh Rosen with the uh, the Arizona Cardinals, and Lamar Jackson with the uh, the Ravens. If I got all five of the first round picks there. Rosen came out with a new policy that he's advocating for how college athletes can get paid, and that was kind of the story in general about Josh Rosen was he was going to have his be involved in a lot of different things. But is it fair to say that as we get to the close to the start of training camp, that Rosen, based on people you talk to, has been has looked the most ready and been the best looking of the quarterbacks so far? Yeah, I mean throwing against air, right? But I mean, yeah, yes. he has looked he has looked good during the offseason program. You know, Patrick Peterson, the Cardinals cornerback, has gone on record as saying how impressed he was the way this guy operated the two minute drill. He's just not used to seeing a rookie come in there and actually tell the veterans where to go and what to do on the play. You know, he's assertive already and, and, you know, at the position, which is a great thing. And I think he may end up being that guy. Listen, Sam Bradford is someone that, that's a placeholder quarterback. He's just buying you time until the, the day that Josh Rosen is ready. Well, that day may come sooner than later. And, look, it may be another one of these $15, 20000000 million insurance policies that you ended up cashing in, and that's how much money Sam Bradford is set to make this season. But for me, sitting him on the bench, if Josh Rosen is ready to go, it's a lost season for the Cardinals anyway. Let's be realistic here. This is the team that has the longest odds of making the playoffs, according to OddsShark.com. So, you know, we, we realize the team is going to have to, you know, you know, you know, just weather the storm this year and then look to rebound in 2019. Well, this is a perfect season to get Josh Rosen up and running. And see, and when you talk about, if, okay, what about Josh Allen? His situation is a little bit crazy now because of Shady McCoy. If there's no Shady, yes. you've got Chris Ivory, three yards in a cloud of dust, carrying the football. 
teams ain't putting teams ain't putting eight in the box to stop Chris Ivory. It's going to put even more pressure on the quarterback position. And if you look at those Bills wide receivers, even with Kelvin Benjamin, there's a very mediocre group. And I'm being generous there. So I think it's a setback for him. One quick Baker Mayfield note, by the way. I talked with Brown Center J.C. Treader last night, and you know he really likes the guy. And I mean, you know, listen. And J.C.'s a no-nonsense type of guy. He's from Cornell. He's a really sharp guy. Uh, you know, and he was saying that look, the guy does put in the time. He cares. He's been a really good teammate, and what he's trying to do now is help him learn how to take the center snap. It's something that he hasn't been able to do, Clay, but that's the next step for Baker Mayfield. Get that center snap down, and we'll roll from there. Last question for you. Andrew Luck, is he going to be a full go when the Indianapolis Colts start training camp? What is going to be the latest on his health? I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to have him throw a zillion times a day. I think he's going to be somewhat limited, and they're going to increase his workload until the regular season begins. You know, big question is in these preseason games: when do we get him? Is it week one, or are they just going to put him out there week three for the dress rehearsal game? But he'll be on a pitch count, and I think it may be that way, quite honestly, for the rest of his career. There is no reason he's thrown a zillion footballs. I don't know what more you're going to get from you know Andrew Luck at this point about making him a better passer. You just want him to be healthy. You know he's got the cerebral aspect of the game down pat, and now it's really up to the to the Colts organization to take some of the pressure off Andrew. And it's one of the things about having Frank Reich as your coach. You know, running these RPOs, running these things that allow the quarterback to get the football out of his hand quickly. But I tell you, when talking to defensive players around the league, in particular Harrison Smith and Vikings defensive coordinator George Edwards, both guys told me, you want to know a way to shut down RPOs? You hit the quarterback in the mouth, basically. And I think that's how you're going to see teams try to counter what you saw the Eagles doing last year. You're going to see, you know, those types of, you know, it's what ended the read option for a lot of these guys. A lot of these quarterbacks that were doing it is when the QB started getting hit. Well, I think you might start seeing the same thing on these plays. Even if you risk a penalty, I think you may see some defensive players just on load on quarterbacks to try to get them from stop doing it. Outstanding stuff as always. He's Alex Marvez. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is your new walk-up music, Petros Papadakis. Fantastic work by Taylor Swift bringing in Petros Papadakis. Hey, are you wearing your new $500 Laker shorts? Were those $500? Yeah, oh yeah. God. Yeah, it's getting a little bit silly. Because it's every day out here right now, Clay. It's, I mean, let's start the timeline. Uh, it's Khloe Kardashian, double date with Tristan Thompson in Malibu. <laughs> then it's the, uh, the pizza party that he doesn't show up for with a bunch of people frying on the asphalt. Not that it matters, but <laughs> that, that happened. Uh, and instead he was at a pool party. Then you have the Greek restaurant, Beverly Hills Power Dinner with Al Pacino and Leonardo DiCaprio, and now we have $500 shorts and uh, barely speaking to the head coach, Luke Walton, but instead sending a proxy with an iPad uh, to communicate with the head coach of the team. And and he still hasn't done a press conference to announce that he signed with uh, one of the biggest franchises in the history of sport. So he hasn't felt the obligation to sit and answer questions about it. Just like I don't know, didn't didn't Ronaldo just sign with uh, with somebody Juventus, and I'm pretty yes. sure he's going to do a press conference. So um, uh, we got all that going on, and that's just it's only been like a, ten days. It it is amazing how LeBron just manages to bring a media circle with him. So I want to start here. Well, this didn't like, happen in Ohio, Clay, and no one cared yeah. what he did on a nightly basis in Akron or Miami. Yeah. Yeah, you matter. know, it's an, it's an interesting point. Is he learning 
that the standard for what a story is in L.A. when it comes to LeBron is going to be different than the Miami LeBron or the Cleveland LeBron. The reason why I bring that up with you is... I think he knew it, and that's why he's here. That's why he came. Okay, yeah, this so, is all a giant business move. You know, a lot of these guys that make a lot of money, anybody who makes a lot of money can hire a producer and a director and say they have a production company, and that's what Kobe's done. Uh, that's what LeBron's been doing. Elton Brand was one of the first guys to do it way back in the day. You know, he's just using the L.A. platforms to for his advantage. So... You have lived in, born and raised in, in the L.A. area. When you saw this, like, to me, if you want to meet with Leonardo DiCaprio or you want to meet with uh, Al Pacino, you're all insanely wealthy. You all have multi-million dollar mansions. You could bring in a private chef, and the three of you could just hang out. You could Nobody would know that you were getting together. All of them wanted it to be known that they were hanging out together, I think. Uh, yeah, what is your course. reaction Otherwise, when you... When you they wouldn't yeah. have met in public. The meeting means nothing. Nothing's going to happen. What, even if it does, it'll be terrible. But what, what happened is they met in public so people could take pictures and talk about LeBron, and they could continue, look, this is great for the NBA. You know, I remember when DeAndre Jordan of the Clippers had, uh, had Mark Cuban driving laps around Houston. Oh, yeah, it was an amazing Doc story. Rivers' daughter yes. was on a plane, and Paul Pierce and the banana boat and the whole deal. You know, that occupied the media for three weeks when the NBA wasn't planned. And uh, they're doing it again with LeBron in L.A., and it's good for that league. So tell me this. Like, take me inside. You're the expert on uh, TMZ Sports, I know. But why would you have a public dinner? With DiCaprio and uh, and uh, so Pacino. people start thinking of you as a Hollywood power player. No, no, I I, I totally understand player. that. But what I mean by this is, when Leonardo DiCaprio leaves the public restaurant, he is covering his entire face. Like, oh my God, I can't be seen. When LeBron leaves, they got that guy with the white light, like flashing it. My thing is, you knew this was going to happen. Why not just walk out like a normal dude and let them take video of you entering and exiting? Like, what is the what is the cachet there with, again, I understand if you're trying to have a secret meeting. Like, I don't necessarily want to get videotaped walking in and out of my house. But if you're going to a public restaurant, you know everybody's going to see you there. You know it's going to be a story. Why does DiCaprio come out like Venom from the old school Spider-Man? Like, he's all in black covering his face, and he gets into a black car. Same thing with LeBron. I don't understand that part of it. You clearly want people to know that you're meeting together. Why would you then be like, oh, my God, I'm not going to allow them to see my face when I leave? So you're asking me to think like Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, I'm just trying to figure out, like, the rationale here. If you, my, my thing was when I saw this story, they clearly want it known. That they had a power dinner. But why then do you not want your face to be seen leaving the power dinner? It seems like a conflict. You know, it's it's the charade of of being a public person. Please love me. Oh, my God, leave me alone. You know, I do it in my own little tiny realm. I give out my phone number every year with the Textoso line. I call everybody an idiot for texting me, and then I give out the number and say, don't miss the show when we give out the number. You know, I mean, (laughs) everybody does this kind of stuff, but it's it's the charade or the, uh, the whole going through the motions of being a celebrity. You know, just like if you're doing a perp walk, and everybody knows it's you that's getting arrested. You cover your face with your T-shirt. 
Oh, it is funny when that happens, too. No, it, that's a great point. Uh, we're talking to Petros Papadakis. It's just what so, you do. How is – so let, let's talk about the Luke Walton angle here. You kind of hinted at it when, uh, when you came on, and I haven't talked about that on the show at all so far. But I want to ask you this question in general. Uh, we obviously saw what happened with David Blatt. We saw what happened back in the day with, uh, with, uh, with Spolstra where he becomes an overnight superstar the minute that LeBron goes to Miami. And remember, LeBron, LeBron, has LeBron had, gave him the shoulder shiver. Oh, yeah, totally. Then everything about their interaction is a story. Ty Lue comes out of nowhere, becomes a superstar because they're all kind of in the penumbra of LeBron's greatness. The newest coach now is Luke Walton. I find this utterly amazing. Like, Magic Johnson recruits LeBron. LeBron has no interest, evidently, in talking to his coach, which immediately lets you know what the overall power dynamic is going to be here. How do you think LeBron and Luke Walton are going to get along? And do you have any kind of knowledge of what Luke Walton's personality is like in general? Is this going to be good or bad for him? Oh, I know Luke Walton. And a lot of people you know pretty well know Luke Walton. Are buddies with Luke Walton. He's been around the South Bay area where I live for a long time. And he's very popular and very well-liked. Now, what does that mean? Nothing. Uh, If LeBron likes him, I think it's pretty simple. If they have success and they do well and LeBron likes him, he'll be the guy. If he doesn't, he won't. And if things go wrong, the first person that's going to take the blame is Luke Walton because Luke Walton was not hired by the magic Palenka dynamic, and Luke Walton never wanted Lonzo Ball, I don't think. And uh, Luke Walton's probably the first fall guy, but that doesn't mean he's going to fall. He is very, very likable and a good guy. So what is the next LeBron James big story? You just ran through all the litany of things that have happened. We're in July. Like, what to you is going to be like, oh, we can't talk about this in LeBron in L.A.? Like, is there anything that is a story that you got? Like, how much time do you spend on your show right now talking LeBron? I don't know. I mean, we talk about it. We, you know, we talk about it in the same way I'm talking about it right now. You know, it, we talk about the manufactured uh, media events that kind of surround him. We talk about the overhype. We talk about how the hype is pretty legitimate because it's one of the most popular, if not the most popular athlete in the history of the globe, uh, especially because of the way we cover the guy right now, you know, all his movements. So, I mean, we talk about it in that regard. And also the big conversation about whether or not he needs to win championships here to be successful which I think is absolutely not true. I think he's already been successful. I think you're seeing what LeBron in Los Angeles looks like without the basketball games, and this is exactly what it is, and it's only going to be more so, and the Laker games are going to be celebrity-laden even more than they have before. The tickets will be less affordable for people, uh, and that's going to be the story. Uh, who, what celebrity is he going to be seen with next? I don't know. Maybe he's going to take uh, Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin out for a congratulations <laughs> dinner at Fanny's in Redondo Beach. God, I'm tired of this guy. Uh, we're talking to Petros Pavadakis at Petros and Money. All right, so uh, we have yet to see really the major collision of constellations which could occur when LeVar Ball and LeBron James really kind of end up in a story together. Now, I think LeVon, LeVar Ball said recently... They already hey, have. LeBron- Remember, he said something about LeBron's kids, Bronny, 
have yes. LeBron he said he fired beat back. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. And he said he beat him one-on-one. But, I mean, since LeBron has gotten to L.A., I saw where LeVar Ball said, me and LeBron could run Hollywood, which is just an amazing line from LeVar Ball. How is that going to shake out? Do you think Lonzo Ball is going to be on the court as a Laker when we get to October and the season officially begins? I think so because I don't think anybody wants him. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, you know, without any kind of basketball acumen, Lonzo Ball was overdrafted. Not that he's not a good player and not that he wasn't an intriguing prospect, but if they redrafted, he's not the number two pick. And I think most all people would agree on that. And then you have the whole dynamic of his father and the family and everything that brings, and mostly that is very negative. So I think if anybody wanted him, they'd have gotten rid of him, you know? Uh, I don't think they're able to. And, I mean, forget the basketball expert part of it. If you're an NBA GM, Clay, do you want Lonzo Ball and everything that comes Uh, with it? No, I 100% do not want Lonzo Ball. By the way, Stuart Mandel just walking into the room here. I'm at the uh, SEC Media Days. Oh, I know you, I know you uh, remember our fond days of, uh, of creating the greatest college football uh, show of all time. How, like, at this point, I do think it's true that there's two seasons. There's football season and there's waiting for football season. And a big part of waiting for football season is the preseason and how crazy everybody goes. Are you even more giddy now for the start? Because like, to me, the SEC media days is kind of when you start to think, okay, we're not too far away. NFL training camps will open in a couple of weeks. Uh, how excited are you for the return of football? Well, I mean, I do it for a living. Uh, I've had, <laughs> I've lived a football season every year for a long time <laughs> as, as a part of it, uh, whether as a broadcaster or a player. So I guess, uh, I guess I'm excited. I mean, it just kind of happens whether or not I get excited every year. But I do find the media days to be uh, entertaining like the headlines that come out of the media days, like Jimbo Fisher expects to win. It's like, yeah, I hope so. I mean, he's like $10 million a year. Uh, little stuff like that is kind of entertaining, you know, and it's always great to see everybody. You know, the older I get, the less nervous I get around all the head coaches, and I feel like I'm, you know, less being called into the principal's office than I did when I was 23 doing the sport. So uh, I... I- I like it. I, I, I've come to enjoy it. About a decade ago now, I was here, and I asked Tim Tebow if he would save himself, if he was saving himself for marriage, right? And you would have thought, like, I mean, because there's a thousand media members here, and you just kind of hit on it. Nobody actually says anything at all at these all. events. Like, today, today we're going to have Georgia, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Florida, and it's not like Dan Mullen's going to walk in and be like, Hey, uh, I think we're going to go two and ten. And uh, by the way, I've got videotape here that I'm distributing of Florida State paying players. Right? Like, there's no actual. I don't even know what people would do if there was actual news that came out of here. It's all like, we hey, we action. think we're going to be pretty good. We used to get some action with Pete Carroll. You know, he would he'd use come out. the media day more like a political platform. Yes, and some story would leak before it to hurt him or help him, and he'd end up combating it. And one time he just came up to me at media day and started yelling at me. <laughs> but that was in the Pac-10 days when the Pac-10 media day was, was in a hotel that, that 
almost nobody went to. I mean, it was it was a different time. But uh, you're right. I mean, generally nothing happened. So Steve Spurrier was great here, and he would call it talking season. So Steve Spurrier was always great with a quip. And then um, I, I think in some ways it's become so commoditized. Like, I will – they have it the College Football Hall of Fame here in Atlanta where they're actually doing the event. And, I, like, when I finish my show here in about a half hour, I'll go upstairs, I'll write some – but I'll just turn on the television and I'll watch the interviews. And if anybody says anything, it immediately gets tweeted out. So it's like I come here primarily just to say hi to everybody and see everybody who's going to be covering college football. The actual coaches have become secondary. And it used to be, and you'll remember this, like the coaches would be working hard to try to get attention. And so they would come and they would do radio row. And so they would all walk through and you would meet everybody and all the players and the coaches, and you get great, you know, pretty good guess because there's well, nothing else going on. Well, it used to be a place to gather yes. information, right? Yes. You would get all your media guides. You would interview people. You'd find out what was going on. The coaches might tell you if a guy was hurt or who was going to start. You'd get an idea from what was going to happen. Now the information is readily available to somebody that wants to watch it in Zurich, right? So yes. why are you there? No, that's exactly true. Uh, I'm here because to just basically see. I'm basically here to see everybody who covers college football. You're there I mean, to honestly, see and be seen. Yeah, it's like the Super Bowl. I mean, in, in all honesty, I mean that's the whole reason for the Super Bowl. It's everything that you hate. Speaking of everything that you hate, did you watch any of the home run derby? Because it was actually really good last night. I saw that Captain America or somebody that was dressed a lot like him won. And, yes, Bryce uh, Harper was dressed like Captain America. The the kid from the Dodgers. Uh, it's a really amazing story. He's not a rookie, but he might as well be. And he's one of those players that this Dodger front office uh, of Andrew Friedman and Farhan Zaidi kind of dug out in the same way they dug out Chris Taylor. Uh, this kid, Max Muncy, was great. You know, he, had, he hit the 17. He's from Fort Worth. Uh, he went to Baylor. And uh, I thought I thought it was fun to watch him go up against one of those big names and kind of an unknown guy like a Rocky Balboa. And I thought he acquitted himself really well. Uh, and you know what? Harper's always talking about making baseball more entertaining and uh, having it be a little more flashy and uh, kind of like Gina Davis in a league of their own, right? Maybe he's going to do the splits when he makes a catch or something. So yeah. I like seeing him go out there and, and clown around and, and be entertaining, you know. And uh, I don't really find the actual uh, logistics of the home run derby or watching a guy up there doing batting practice uh, a little harder or whatever, uh, I don't really find that to be the most interesting athletic feat to watch for an hour and a half. But I have to say that, you know, when you watch the highlights or – you watch the end, and the guy's all festooned in the American flag, and Clay Travis is tweeting the F word, you know, then it's something we all can get behind. <laughs> Are you going to watch the World Series tonight? The World Series of what? Ah, sorry. No, 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 sorry. Are you going to watch the Major League Baseball All-Star game tonight? Oh, the World, well, the World Series. I, I don't know. The World Series of, of, of cornhole might be going on. The World Series of poker. Phil I don't know. Phil yeah. taking on Phil Ivey tonight? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. I got I got my DVR set already. No, I know what it's like to be doing a show at a media day, Clay. It's distracting. Uh, no, I, I mean, I'll watch it. I'll watch the highlights. I'll, you know, if something happens with one of the Dodgers, somebody will tell me and I'll get right on it. But 
uh, is an appointment. There is no all-star game that I enjoy watching or seek out to watch. I just don't find them intriguing at all. How much would I have to pay you to go watch the new Jurassic Park with me? In the theater? Yeah. Uh, how much are you offering? I mean, I know you have a big lucrative business, and you're always talking about your contracts and your new uh, house and stuff. I, I just signed a three-year extension. And by the way, uh, I, I'm not the kind of guy to brag, but you and, uh, and the AM570 Sports LA people out there listening right now, uh, you're a big part of this, and I actually texted it to you. But the ratings in L.A. are up 85%, and I do think you're a big part of the reason why the show is doing so well in L.A. because I think people enjoy you getting up and talking about your uh, your yoga and uh, hating everything early in the morning as opposed to hating everything in the afternoon. So in all seriousness, I do appreciate you coming on. But I took my Wait, kids so you're not to go serious see- about paying me to see Jurassic Park? No, no, I was curious what I would have to pay you because I went to go see Jurassic Park. 5000 Five, you would not, for like four grand, you wouldn't go see Jurassic Park. Oh, I'd go for four. I just thought I'd go real high. (laughs) Uh, How low could I go? If I gave you a hundred bucks and I was in L.A., would you go see Jurassic Park with me? No. Thousand. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere between a hundred and a thousand. I think that's valid. It's a great movie. Great summer blockbuster. What's this? We had this discussion on Friday the Thirteenth. I saw that. Uh, and show. I know. I mean, what's going to happen that hasn't happened in all the other Jurassic parks? Well, the Jurassic Park. Spoiler alert for everybody out there who hasn't seen it yet: the dinosaurs are off the island and they're now living in America. They're among us. Great. Um, pterodactyl just on the Pacific Coast Highway. It's amazing. So, uh, what? So <laughs> we had this discussion on Friday the Thirteenth because it was Friday, obviously. What do you think the scariest movie of all time is that you've watched? Like one that left you and you were like, I don't know why I watched this. Like this, this one got Seven. me. Even when you were a kid, is there one that to you like still kind of like zaps you when you think about it? Seven. Oh, that's a good one. I that's mean, a great movie too. It's very upsetting. See, I my mean, argument are pretty standard. Yeah, those are my argument Legally is Jaws. Blonde two, red, white, and blonde. <laughs> Is pretty bad. They're making Legally Blonde 3, right? I saw Reese Witherspoon tweeted about that the other day. She's only 50, so now it's Legally Blonde, but there's gray in there and you can't see it. Well, she's got to go back to law school now. Um, and uh, who knows what might happen. Can, you name, her, this- can you name the, the name of the character in Legally Blonde? L. Woods. L. Woods. L. Woods. That's a great name. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just had to say that. I'm glad that you're having fun at SEC Media Day, and I'm glad that the show is doing well, and you're very sweet to give me uh, an, a modicum of credit. You, they do call you, me the personal rating Spike. That's my name. <laughs> that is, you're the Spike. Uh, we will talk to you next week, Spike. Thank you, and have fun out there, and protect your neck. We'll, <laughs> we'll do. Enjoy the uh, new Laker $500 shorts. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 